Hey, it's Heidi Rain. Welcome back for another episode of Addiction, Codependency, and Toxic Relationship Recovery. With me, your host, Heidi Rain. I am so glad to be here with you today because we're going to answer this question and dive into what the heck is a toxic relationship? What are the signs and symptoms? And how can I spot those kind of red flags, uh, even if I'm starting to get into a relationship or if I'm already in one and I'm, you're starting to question, is this thing normal? I can't tell you how many times I think we get stuck in this question of, is this normal or not? Is this okay or not? Should I lower my expectations or should I raise my standards? I mean, we stay in this confusion. And I remember whenever I was uh, working inside of a one of the world's leading drug and alcohol treatment centers where I basically got my chops and most of my training to become an addiction and codependency expert. And day in and day out, there were thousands of clients who came there that I got the privilege to be able to help. And as you can imagine, in addiction, there are always in a toxic relationship, you know, the, not just the rehab romances that went on there, but just coming in with this, I think that codependency and toxic relationships are at the root of all kind of addiction issues anyway, to tell you the truth. But I remember just being kind of dumbfounded at the amount of people who were in a toxic relationship and didn't even recognize they were in one. And I'm like, how could you not know that this is not okay? But again, when you grow up in dysfunction or you're used to dysfunction junction, your main question you ask yourself is, is this normal or what is normal or is this toxic or is what is healthy? What is unhealthy? So that's why today we're going to spend some time and I'm going to dive into five different ways you can tell if this thing's toxic or not. And to the degree of the toxicity. Now, you know, it's not like, well, how pregnant am I, doc? I mean, if it's toxic, it's toxic. You know, you, you definitely, there isn't a such thing as, well, it's just a little bit of a pollutant, you know, because over time that toxicity builds up until you can no longer take it anymore. So if you're ready to recover, by the way, and you know this toxic relationship is toxic and it's taking a toll on you and you're just here to double check and to get affirmed and confirmed that this is not a good thing for you and you're ready to start the recovery process, I want you to head over to HeidiRain.com where you can check out our toxic relationship recovery course, our codependency recovery course that will help guide you on your path back home to yourself, to your sanity, amen, to your wellness and your well-being and for the love of all that's holy, just, you know, a healthy, loving, mutually beneficial relationship. Amen. All right, let's dive into it. Let's dive into some of these. Now, again, I am going to go on the severity scale. I'm going to get into each one of these. The first symptom of a toxic relationship is any kind of constant pervasive negativity. Now, who has seen Debbie Downer on Saturday Night Live? That's really not what I'm talking about. You know how everybody's kind of sitting around and they're, I don't know if you've seen this skit, but it's its old school and they're sitting around and they're all like really happy about, you know, they're having uh, food together and socializing at the movies. And all of a sudden Debbie Downer is like, you know, global warming is going to kill us all. And it's like, wah, wah, you know, and the, the music plays and like she ruins every moment with her negative energy. 
we all know people like that in our lives who have a propensity towards the negative. They're like the naysayers, the doomsday people. And that's not necessarily toxic. That could just be a personality quirk. And Debbie Downer isn't maliciously offending or attempting to hurt the people that she's with. She's just a negative person in general. And her friends are kind of like rolling their eyes and there goes Debbie again with her Debbie Downer routine, but they're not hurting as a result of it. Or it's just more so like an annoyance or they're like, oh my God, it's like move on or whatever. They laugh it off. This kind of persistent negative energy is negative energy that directly impacts you. And often it comes in the form of criticism or judgment where you're in their presence. And the first thing they're doing is it, it could be any kind of criticism at all. They're like eyeing you up and down and they're going to talk about how you look today or what your makeup's doing or how your hair is rocking or or what they like about your outfit or don't like about your outfit or what they think about what you're doing in your work or your job. And they're just like to have a critique with no invitation for any kind of uh, criticism at all on your part. It's not like you're seeking, hey, hey, can you can you look me over and tell me what you don't like, you know, or can you look at my life and tell me what you think is not working? And Again, this doesn't have to be a malicious attempt. The person who's constantly critical would be, actually believe they're helping you, where they're like, you know what, I'm going to do you a solid and I'm going to tell you you look like crap, or I'm going to tell you what I think of this thing, because nobody else is going to tell you. So let me tell you. And and they think they're doing you a solid by criticizing you, but in reality, it's, it's hurting you. Now, what makes this go toxic is... Now, here's where your responsibility lies. If you're around somebody like that, right, and they're constantly criticizing you or judging what you're doing, or they haven't, you're with your children and you correct the kids and they're going to pull you to the side and tell you what they would have done differently or how they should have done it or back in their day or, or whatever they're going to say, they always have a something to tell you about everything you're doing. Now, here, here we go. We have a, an opportunity as a person who's committed to your loving yourself and putting yourself first that you say, hey, so-and-so, hey, when you have a word for me, you know what I mean? And in any scenario that I'm in and you want to tell me about myself or how I'm doing things, it's hurtful to me. It's actually not helpful. It's hurtful. And I know that you're, you have the best intent and you're believing that your criticism is actually helpful for me, but I have to tell you, it's not, it's hurtful. And, and because I have a, a sensitivity to this criticism and I'll own that, uh, I have a hard time even hearing what you're saying in a constructive way because my feelings are hurt and I'm already on the defensive. So what I'm going to ask is if you have constructive feedback for me, let me come and ask it for you because there are times where I'm sure you're going to have really great information for me. And those are the times where I'm going to actively seek out your opinion. But if I'm not actively seeking it out, can you keep it to yourself? Because I'm going to be happier, you're going to be happier, and we're going to get along a lot better. Now, I know you're like, well, what did she just say? Can I? A lot of my clients are like, can I put you at like a tape recorder in my pocket and just play you, you know? And but but trust me, if we end up working together long enough, you will know exactly what to say because in my coaching courses and programs, we practice this stuff. It's not like rolling off the tongue the first time. We practice how to say the thing, but. So if it's toxic and this person is constantly critical or constantly condemning or judging or whatever their flavor of negativity happens to be, then I, or belittling, I, I wanted to make a note and make sure I'm covering all the things that it can happen because belittling is not, 
is not the uh, covert way. It's more overt, right? Like the, it is malicious, like the, they, you're around them and that you do feel that scorn and sense of like judgment in a belittling type of way. And you've set a boundary. Here's where it turns toxic. When it's not toxic and somebody's not doing it on purpose to hurt you and you have that conversation that I just gave you, right? The skills and the tools to say that thing that you're going to say to them, a healthy person will go, they might be a little bit rubbed the wrong way. You know what I mean? They might be like, well, that's not cool. I, that's certainly not what I intended, but I hear you and I will work on that. It's like a real housewives episode where you confront the person and they're like, you know what? I'll work on it. I'll work on it. But the toxic person says that, and then here we are again, and now we're doing the same thing over and over again. So that leads me to point number two. Point number one is this constant negativity, criticism. When you're around them, you feel bad. It sucks. You set the boundary. Toxic sign number two is they don't respect the boundary. You know, there's an old joke that says, why did the narcissist cross the road? Because they thought it was a boundary. The thing, you know, it's like you're throwing it out there and they're crossing it every chance they can get. Well, that's a sign you're in a toxic relationship. You know, healthy people might be a little bit upset when you tell them, like I said, the thing and they're like, oh man, that sucks. I don't want to be that person and to hurt you. And I'm so sorry. And, or I'm embarrassed, or I'm a little bit upset about that. And I'm going to work on it. And they mean it and they see it through. Toxic person will push your boundaries all the time. And it's not always about the big things at first, where something like this, where you're having a, a conversation with them. But I help many people who are in relationships with addicts or alcoholics, and they'll they'll set a boundary. And we we have boundary master classes and things like this where we learn how to deal with it. But they'll set a boundary with the addict or alcoholic and they'll start testing that boundary little by little. Like, hey, you can't drink in the house, but then they'll just come home drunk or they'll drink in the garage or they'll go on the porch. You know, it's like all these little things that we do to constantly test the limits and see how far we can push the envelope. And again, you know, we have to take personal responsibility. The reasons our boundaries fail is because we fail to enact our boundaries all the way through. And there is a formula, you know, there is a process, there's kind of a science to it and an art, surely making sure that what you're going to be setting a boundary on is something you're darn well prepared to pull the trigger on and, and see the whole way through. And, and having that clarity is, is super important. You know, so many of us just know what we don't want anymore, but we don't quite know how to ask for what we do want. And that's framing a boundary in a positive way as an ask. And of course, in our programs, we teach that as well. And if, again, if you're curious and you really want to get some support, on this, uh, go over to HeidiRain.com and check out the workshops or coaching opportunities that we have available for you over there. So whenever, how do you know when somebody's crossing your boundaries, this toxic point number two is you can feel it, you know, you know, that feeling of just emotional drain, you know, uh, constantly feeling violated, taken advantage of, or being used, which often then will you know, breed into resentment where you're starting to be like, oh God, you know, I, I just, I know um, they're, they're, I'm going to put out the boundary and they're going to cross it anyway. And then you start to, to get really this deep seated feeling of resentment against this person. And that'll lead into another point that we're going to cover in a minute. So I'll kind of stop there, but 
lack of boundaries, whether it's them crossing your boundaries continually, or it's a mix of you violating your own boundaries. We do have a video. I do. I did make a video about the healing power of no, and about there's more on boundaries, boundaries with an addict and alcoholic. There are two playlists here you can check out. One is addiction in the family that has some boundary uh, videos on. And the other one is codependency and toxic relationship recovery. And that has a bunch of boundaries uh, videos in as well. So feel free to watch. I know many of you, many of you end up binge watching or binge listening, which is so cool. And I hopefully, you know, I'm always creating content for you. That's super valuable, super helpful to take you to the next step. What's toxic point number three, how do you know if it's a sign, if it's toxic? Well, the third thing is there's, there's manipulation of some sort and manipulation where they're, you're feeling coerced into crossing your own boundaries through use of guilt, where, you know, if you really love me, you do this. If you really cared about me, you do this, or you're the reason like it crosses over into shame and blame manipulation can where they're like, you know, you're the, you're responsible for my feelings. You're the reason I behave this way. And in our group the other night, we were having a big discussion on, you know, when we're not at our finest moments, you know, I have this addiction group that I run on Tuesday nights for spouses of addicts and alcoholics, Tuesday night at 7 PM Eastern. If you're interested, go over to Heidi Rain, you can learn more about it. We were talking about this phenomenon of reactive abuse. When you are in a relationship with somebody and your boundaries continue to be violated over and over again, and there's a sense of manipulation where you're being gaslit or guilted and all this resentment starts to build over time. And then all of a sudden you find yourself acting in ways that you would never normally act. Not so much like what an addict and alcoholic tells you, well, you make me want to drink and blaming, but really genuinely meaning you are not an abusive person. But when you get pushed to that point, all of a sudden this abuse comes out. And a story that I told and shared inside of how this can really show up for you and start to get super toxic on both ends. And then you're like, well, who's the toxic one? Me or this person? And you can start to really wonder, well, reactive abuse puts you in that scenario. And here's what it looks like in, in real life terms. And I use this example of uh, one particular instance where I was about 16 years old or 17, and I was in, in the uh, bedroom in this little kind of like mud room that I turned into a bedroom to kind of escape in this house. And I was sitting behind the door, rocking back and forth, like an insane asylum patient. And I was uh, hearing abuse from the other end of the wall being hurled at me. Uh, my mom at the time was, you know, really verbally abusive and, and had been physically abusive most of my life. And she was just screaming at me. And I just remember sitting behind the door thinking, oh my God, I, I should just, I'm a trigger warning. I mean, really getting to that point where I was like, I should just end it, you know, because I can't live like this anymore. But instead of taking it out on myself, which what I normally had done, like beating myself up, you're so stupid. Why did you let this thing happen to you? You know, instead of that, I kind of, I, I rose up in a moment of rage and I went out there and grabbed her wrist and like scuffled with her and started screaming in her face, like, I'll kill you if you ever touch me again, if you ever hit me again. And here I am in that moment, physically fighting with my own mother, thinking, oh my God, like it was a moment for me to realize like, who am I? Who have I become? What is this? Am I the problem now? 
and I'm fighting with her. And I've come to understand now after all these decades of healing and untethering and untangling from all the lies and beliefs that we instill in ourselves as a result of trauma and abuse, that that was a, a form of reactive abuse, that I had such repressed rage from all of the boundary crossing and the and the criticism and all of this toxicity that I started acting out. Now, what to do if you're in a situation like that is, yes, get the heck out of there. Like now, last night in our group, we talked about, oh my God, what did I need in that moment? You know, we, we talked a lot about the brain and how it functions and what part of the brain was I in during that phase and what did I need? And long story short, we, I, we know we need, hey, I need to be safe in this moment and I need to be comforted in this moment and taken away from this situation, right? Because when it builds like that, you're not in a safe place and neither was I. And so in hindsight, I say now as an adult, I would rescue myself out of that situation, get out of the house, escape and move on instead of the fight response, which was which was really part of my survival skill as a kid growing up. And maybe you can relate to that. You know, maybe you're in a relationship with somebody where your boundaries continually to, to be crossed. You can start to see that it's very toxic. And because you act out and you get to this threshold and you have this reaction active tendency of abuse yourself, where you say the terrible thing to the person, or you throw the things or you do whatever, what'll happen is the toxic or abusive person, when you're in a moment of clarity and you're like, Hey, you're setting a boundary with them, for example, right? Hey, you're, you're being toxic. You know, you're hurting me or this behavior. That's the time when they'll bring up your reactive abuse situations and go, no, 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 no. You're the crazy one. Right. And it's a little bit true because you can act crazy. You can kind of get crazy. So it's like, oh my God, that's how gaslighting is believable because they'll throw that back at you. Well, do you remember the time you did this? And do you remember when you threw that thing across the wall? Do you remember when you screamed? And do you remember when you yelled at me? And do you remember when you said that terrible thing to me? And then you go gaslight, uh-oh, maybe I'm the bad person here. And that's why you continue to stay in this dynamic because you start to see that you're going down the crazy train with them and you're joining the toxicity. And now you're part of this toxic soup. So it does get muddy and murky. What's your stuff? What's my stuff? Who's the toxic one? And that's why joining a course or having me come alongside of you in that Tuesday night group or even our Wednesday night toxic relationship recovery group, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, to come into that support group, that, that coaching container and go through our toxic relationship recovery course, because you need to, you need to suss all that out. You know what I mean? What is my shame or guilt around all this? What is my role that I've played so that you can understand uh, what part you've been playing in all of this, if, if any at all. And are you toxic? Is it you? Or is it them? And isn't that crazy how toxic relationships really make us so crazy that we question where it ends and where it begins? And that's the third point is manipulation. So let's let's review again. We only have two more to go, both extremely important. But the first sign is this constant negative energy, which often comes in the form of criticism or judgment. And you have that icky feeling in your stomach, like I can never do anything right. When I'm in the presence of this toxic person, there's a cloud of judgment over me. I feel I'm never, I'm not enough. I, I feel like I'm failing. I feel like I'm constantly having to second guess myself or answers for myself or what have you. Now, by the way, as I'm saying this, I can hear some people saying, well, 
addicts often in relationships feel this way, that they're constantly second guessing themselves and they're the bad people. And they could say that to now. I know this is like super complex now, but this is why we need coaching to delineate what is constant negative energy and judgment and criticism. And what is you attempting to lecture somebody out of their addiction? And that doesn't work either. So do you see how these videos are great? This podcast is freaking awesome. And I'm so glad. And there is a deeper complexity here that needs to be sat across with you to be able to suss this out and, and all the things that are confused here to, to like, and I know you're smart and I know you're getting it. It's not that at all. It's just that there is a level of complexity that sometimes requires a professional untangling with you side by side. The second point is, so we have constant criticism. The second point of toxicity is lack of boundaries. You're around this person and you, you know, every time they're around you, you know, you're, you're either you're violating your own boundaries or they're violating your boundaries. The third thing is I need a little bit of lip gloss because these, this pucker is getting dry. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. The third thing is manipulation, which comes in the point of controlling, gaslighting, guilting, shaming, or blaming girl. It's toxic. Okay. Boy, it's toxic. The third, the fourth thing is isolation from people that are talking sense into you. They all of a sudden don't like you to go to therapy. They don't like coach Heidi. They think Heidi's full of shit. They don't listen. You know, once you listen into the podcast, uh, they start downing the resources that you're finding or finding flaw and the friendships that are talking sense into you. And honestly, they don't attempt to separate you from people that co-sign their toxicity. They will encourage you to hang out with the one person or two people that actually have their back or their side or are just as toxic as they are. But everybody else that loves you, that can see what's going on here, that wants to support you and pull you out of this thing, they will attempt to isolate you from over time. You know, your mom doesn't really get you and me, you know, she, she, she just has it out for me because she has her own problems and her own relationships. And, you know, she's jealous of you. And that's why your mom is not really a good person to listen to, or your sister doesn't really, you know, they'll start to like pit against people and triangulate your relationships so that you start to question the people that are pouring in your ear hey, maybe this isn't the right thing for you, but they'll align with, you know, you should listen to your brother because your brother really knows and sees me and he really likes me. And so they want to align with the people that co-sign their stuff and disengage or pull you from the people that are talking sense into you. And isolation is one of the very first thing that the abuse cycle does, right? It's like, I'm going to, if I'm going to hurt you, I need to get you away from the people that are going to talk sense into you or help you. I need to isolate you from those people. I need to pull you away from the common sense. When I'm on the crazy train, I can't have people talking common sense into you on the side. And that's the isolation game. You know, addiction works that way with the people that are addicted. You know, the alcohol or the drugs whisper in that person's ear. You can't trust your wife. You can't trust your family. Your family doesn't get you. They don't understand you. So substances isolate you the same way a toxic person isolates you. Isn't that interesting? So that's why a lot of people who think they're addicts and alcoholics and they think that you're the abusive one, right? You're the one that's condemning them or criticizing them or pointing out all their issues and pointing out how they're failing. But the truth is the 
the substance that they're in a relationship with is the abusive thing or person that that's their primary abusive relationship, not you. They're, they're in an abusive relationship and that abusive relationship with drugs or alcohol is telling them that you are the problem so that they can isolate you even further from them. So isn't that crazy? And then the person, I mean, it's right. That's why it's crazy making relationships. It's like, oh my God, man, it really does go deep. And it's so, it's, it's funny, but you know, we all have our things in life that we're fascinated by. You know, some people look at rocks all day long. They're gemologists and are like, oh, what is this rock? Well, this is really cool. I think this is from the era. You know, me, I, I love like toxicity and dysfunction complexities and to see like how it develops and how, what we can do about it and how we get sucked in. It's like a little piece of puzzles that all float together. So you know, my little weird obsession is your game, right? Because I've spent my whole life dedicated to figuring this stuff out. All right. And so the last point, so just to recap again, the first point of sign of a toxic relationship was this constant negative energy in the form of criticism or negativity or belittling or judgment, lack of boundaries. They're violating your boundaries all the time, pushing the limits, testing, going above and beyond, which creates emotional turmoil in you and resentment. The third thing is manipulation. Any kind of guilting, blaming, shaming, or gaslighting is a toxic type of relationship. The fourth is isolation from sound people who want to talk sense into you. And they're like, that's the enemy. Stay away. Don't, don't, you know, uh, don't talk to the enemy because they're going to talk sense into you. And then the last thing is psychological and emotional or financial or physical, any type of drain, you know, like we all, we all know, we refer to these vampires that suck the life out of you, but pay attention. It's not just the emotional drain, like, oh, I feel so depleted every time I'm with you. Does your bank account deplete every time you're with that person too? Okay. Does your cash flow decrease? Does your, uh, you know, spiritual uh, energy and closeness and connectedness to God decrease every time you're in their presence? Does your belief in yourself or your own abilities decrease? Is it a psychological manipulation, an emotional drain, a financial drain, a spiritual drain, any type of drain? It's no bueno. Okay. We, we, we you know, listen, that's a subtractor. You know, I, I, I mentored under John Maxwell for many years. And, you know, when he first started I, this uh, coaching program that he had way back in the day, where it was like um, this founding members of the Maxwell certification program or something, but I had been using his materials for like super long time when I was in leadership development and corporate development. And John Maxwell is absolutely amazing. As far as leadership goes, I think he's the best in the world and one of the best speakers in the world too. But he talks about, you know, subtractors, adders, and multipliers, and the types of people that are in our lives and subtractors come to your life to take, you know, when, when you're with them, you feel a decrease in your capacity or your reserves, psychological, emotional, physical, or financial. Uh, there are uh, dividers, you know, which is another type of, of uh, taker. They subtract. Division is also a subtraction where they take half of what you have, you know, or there are adders, people who come to you and to add a little bit of value to you in your life, or there are people who come alongside you and multiply you and they take whatever you have in your life and they just multiply you and your multiplication, your timesing. You know, it's like, I don't like Grant Cardone at all for my own reasons. Okay. 
don't, don't, don't get mad. If you like Grant Cardone, good for you. He's not for me. I don't like his messaging. I don't like his marketing. I don't like his anything about him, but it's 10 X idea. It's kind of like John Maxwell's, you know, be a multiplier in life. And if you can't add value to somebody's life, at least don't cheat, right. And, and, and subtract from them. So what's your first and next step? Okay. The first step is go back to this video, take some notes and ask yourself out of one of these five, how many check marks do I get? And it's not like how toxic am I? You could be a five out of five, a one out of five, but a one out of five is one too many. All right. It's not like a number. Well, let's wait and see how toxic it can get. You know, I've had people come into treatment when I worked in the treatment center. As I said, I got like most of my world-class education there, but people would be like, well, I'm not that addicted yet. You know what I mean? They go to a meeting and be like, oh, I'm not like this guy. This guy's really screwed up, you know, let me wait to see how bad it'll get. You know that addiction, it just gets worse and worse. The same is true for toxicity. The toxins don't suddenly clear up. You need a removal plan, toxic removal uh, in order to heal. And so that's what I want to encourage you to do. If you are on that next step and you've watched the you've watched the things and you can relate the next step is to invest in yourself and get into some kind of recovery program and figure out what your stuff especially if you are thinking i don't know if i want to get out of this or not I want to know if this thing can work. Should I stay or should I go? Well, we have workshops. Should I stay or should I go workshops that you can inquire about, sign up for, get on our list, you know, request more information so that you can come to like a three-day workshop where we do like noon lunchtime, Eastern US time, and we record those. I mean, there's there's many, what I'm saying is act. Okay. I realized that what I specialize on addiction, codependency, and toxic relationship recovery spells the acronym act. And the way out of addiction, codependency, and toxic relationships is act. It's to take action. It's to go to that next level, enroll in a self-study course, sign up for one of my workshops, schedule a private session if I happen to be offering those at the time that I'm putting this out. And just, you know, let me come alongside of you and really help you. Uh, don't be scarred. Okay. There's nothing, you know, I know it can be scary because you're like, I'm going to have to do something. Oh, I'm going to have to take some action. She's going to talk. She's going to tell, tell me my stuff. You know, listen, here's what you can expect from me. Just like you've been an advocate for everybody else in your life and you've come alongside of them and you're the hero and you're the fixer. I'm your support system. I'm your advocate. I love you. I'm going to come alongside of you and pour into you and help you and be your person that you can depend on that's going to take you from where you are to where you want to be without judgment or criticism, all love, all support. Now, sometimes it's a tough love, but I promise you this, you have never felt more supported in your life. Okay. Because that's what I do. Right. So I love you. If that's what you're up for and you want to make some change, act. All right. Go over to HeidiRain.com and take some massive action. I look forward to hearing from you in another video. If this is helpful, share it. Honey. When you want to grow, send it to one of your friends. Be like, look at this. You got to check this out. This stuff is it's little gold nuggets of wisdom. Wisdom bombs going to help you uh, break free. And look out for more videos. Subscribe. Get notified with our podcast as well. Every single week, I make content just for you. I love you. Take excellent care. I'll see you next week.